I want to start this morning by asking you, how many of you have a bucket list? Right? Several years ago, the movie, The Bucket List, came out. And if you've seen it, I feel like it's a movie that you can't forget. It was a movie about two terminally ill cancer patients who made a list of the things that they wanted to do before they kicked the bucket. So I'm asking you this morning, what do you want to do before you kick the bucket? Maybe you would like to take a European vacation. Maybe you'd like to sunbathe in Hawaii. Maybe you'd like to have a million dollars in the bank by the day you retire. Or maybe you'd like to take your whole extended family on an Alaskan cruise. Or maybe not. Maybe you want to start a business. I don't know what's on your bucket list, but I'll tell you that probably the biggest thing on my bucket list is to take a cross-country trip across the United States. You see, my other favorite movie is called The Big Year. And it's a movie about bird watchers, of all things, who take a year off of their lives to go after a big goal, the big year. And as much as I love the movie, I love the concept of having a big year. So on my bucket list is to have a big year. So I would like to get a very cozy yet modern RV. I'd like to take my two boys, Decker's nine, Tucker is six, in the RV, and I would like to crisscross across the United States paying special attention to national parks. Now, I want you to know I've been begging my husband to do this since I saw the movie. And he is a nice man. He is supportive and kind in almost everything I ever want to do. But when I beg him about the big year, this is what he says to me. You would never make it. He says that I probably uh, would not be as happy as I think I would be living and cooking and taking up my first year ever of homeschooling in the back of an RV while he works from home. And he's probably right, but I am still twisting his arm. And I want you to know that last week I caught him looking at used RVs online. And so, I mean, hope is still alive. This morning we're going to look at Romans 13 where I think the author of Romans, a man named Paul, talks to us about the most important thing that we need to do before we kick the bucket. In the beginning of Romans, Paul talks a lot about theology. But then he switches his tone, and he becomes extremely practical in the later part of Romans. And where we pick up with him today, he is challenging people about how to live out their everyday life. So let's start in Romans 13, uh, verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, and you must not covet. These and other such commandments can be summed up by this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. 
know, I hear Paul here when he says to us, we are up to our eyeballs in a love debt to God. You know, if you're a Christ follower, we have no other option but to acknowledge that Christ has loved us with such a life-changing, unconditional love that we have no other option but to let that love overflow into the people around us. This text basically says that our love debt to God is so big, we will never be able to repay it. But that's okay, because we continually live out loving others, giving thanks to God for his love to us. Okay, so what does Paul say that we should do before we kick the bucket? Love our neighbors. Now, you might be wondering who your neighbors are, because you might live on an acreage or a farm, and you might think that you're off the hook today. Well, maybe you actually already love your physical neighbors, like I do. Maybe you think you're off the hook today, too. Well, not quite so fast. Our neighbor is the people that God puts in our path throughout our everyday life. It's our friends and family, our colleagues and classmates, our actual neighbors, and the other people that God brings to us throughout the day. Romans 13 tells us that if we start here, if we love these people well, then we are keeping God's law. So I like to be practical. So if you're wondering like I do, what does it actually mean to love well the people around us? Then I want to help answer that question with some text and then a story. So first, in 1 Corinthians 13, we see the Bible's definition of love. And if we are being tasked today to love our neighbors, then I think we can ask, what does God consider love? And 1 Corinthians 13 tells us this, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud, love does not dishonor others, love is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, love rejoices in the truth, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love always protects, always hopes, always trusts, and always perseveres. Now, I know that that definition of love can be a bit humbling. If we're going to love our neighbors with this type of love, then we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. Like, are we jealous people? Because God tells us it's going to be hard to love our neighbors if we're jealous of their cars or their house or their job or their beautiful farmhouse kitchen sink. It's easy to be envious. We have to ask ourselves, if we want to love our neighbor with a love that honors God, are we patient people? Do we take things that don't belong to us? Do we mind our temper, look for ways to serve others, Do we forgive and ask for reconciliation? Because according to 1 Corinthians, this is the definition of love when it comes to loving your neighbor. So I want to tell you a story about my neighbor who did just this. 
A couple of weeks ago, uh, the forecast was awful. If you remember, I think 80 mile per hour winds and golf ball sized hail. And I was at baseball practice and my husband was on the road. And I texted my neighbor basically to ask her, uh, when, when do you think the storm's going to come in? Do you think I'll get home in time? And this, a few minutes later, was her response to me. I put the couch outside, couch cushions inside. I put the dog out. The mail is on your washer. I laid all the chairs down on your deck. And then I wrote her back. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I hope that someday I can repay you for this kindness. And then she said to me, I know that you would be there for me too. This is what Framley does. It loves your neighbor. See, I think we can make it pretty simple. Sometimes I think we have the tendency to complicate the Christian life. And we kind of wring our hands asking ourselves what we need to do and don't do in order to fulfill God's law. But this tells us that we can basically cut to the chase. Love the people around us with a love that is kind and patient and without envy. Okay, here's the deal about bucket lists. It's one thing to put something on our bucket list, but it's an entirely different thing to actually check it off. So we're going to talk about that in the second half of Romans, starting uh, Romans 13, starting in verse 11. This, he's picking back up, so loving your neighbor. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone, and the day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the drunkenness of wild parties or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself, don't think about ways to indulge your evil desires. See, long before the movie The Bucket List was a thing, I think that Paul got it. I think that he knew we would be very likely to put off today what we could do tomorrow. And I think that's true in my life, and maybe it's true in your life too. You know, there are some Christmases that if I sent a Christmas card, this is what it would say. We did nothing but survive this year. Our heads are barely above water. Love the rose. Because checking things off a bucket list takes immense time and energy and sacrifice and oftentimes money. It's easy to get caught in the mindset of simply surviving the day-to-day because something about the carpool and work and dinner and the lawn easily takes it out of us. And if we're not careful, it's very possible that we could live our entire lives and never check anything off our bucket list. And in some ways, I think that's okay. I mean, if I never make it to Hawaii, I'll survive. I'll be pale 
and sad, but I'll survive. And here in this text, I think that Paul is telling us the one thing on our bucket list that we can't put off any longer is loving well the people around us. He tells us that the need is too urgent. Time is moving too fast. Basically, he's telling us, wake up. This is an urgent need, and we simply don't have the luxury of putting off today what we think we'll do tomorrow. We read a good night book in our house, and it's called A Someday is Not a Day of the Week. It's a little passive-aggressive for my taste, but still we read it. It's about a little boy who wants to play catch or go fishing and read books. But his parents and grandparents keep telling him, not today, maybe someday. And he goes on a hunt for someday. He finds Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. But he, in the end, concludes that someday is not a day of the week. You know, I hate that book. But I love it. Because it's a good reminder that someday can be the enemy of right living. Someday, I'm going to get serious about my relationship with God. Someday, I'll get baptized. Someday, I'll quit being jealous. I'll get my temper under control someday. I'll forgive and seek reconciliation someday. Someday, I'll love my neighbor. But friends, someday is not a day of the week. The text reminds us of that. It tells us that the night has passed and a new day is coming. And in imagery that I love, it basically tells us, take off your pajamas and put on your work clothes. We have work to do. Don't get distracted by the things of this world, like promiscuity and jealousy and drunkenness, because his return is nearer and nearer every day. Our family has a dog named Josie. And when we first got Josie many years ago, she was the apple of our eye. Before smartphones, when we would go to weddings, we would print off pictures of Josie to hand out to the people at the table. (laughs) Don't you wish that was you? I made Josie a Facebook page. I took Josie on a walk several miles a day Uh, several times a week. And when I was nine months pregnant with my first son, I consoled myself that surely I would love this child because just think about how much I love the dog. We are dog people. But then we got busy with our kids and with jobs, and suddenly the dog was lucky to get fresh water and a little love. And then the kids grew up, and they started asking questions like, can we take the dog with us to the park, Mom? And do you know what I would say? Someday. I would think to myself, I should really take her for a walk. Someday. I should slow down and give her some love. I'm too busy. Maybe someday. And then a while back, we took her to the vet. And I'll bet you know what I'm going to say. She's sick. She's old. 
and her body is really starting to show her age. And the doctor said, the liver is in real bad shape. And then all of a sudden, our family wakes up. We realize that her time is near. She's not going to be here forever. So we need to make the most of the time that we have left. So we rub her belly and we let her up on the outdoor couch. We buy her the expensive, soft dog food. And it's kind of sad, but it's really precious because it's a good reminder of what Paul is telling us here today. Essentially, Paul says, love your neighbors. And also the clock is ticking. We've got work to do. Now, we were pretty lucky with Josie because we got a wake-up call. But the hard truth is that we never know when you or someone you love is living in their last days. A wake-up call is a luxury. And unfortunately, the hard truth is that we never know if tomorrow will be, be here. And this is the point. I think this has everything to do with Paul's urgency. He's saying we can't keep putting this off because the mission is too critical. If I never crisscross the United States in the RV, that's fine. But if I can't check off love your neighbor on my bucket list, then I'm in trouble. So I want to finish today with two things. First, a thanks and then a reminder. First, a thanks. A thanks to our servicemen and women. Because we remember the people who have lived out exactly what we're talking about this weekend. And in a group this size across four campuses, the reality is that some of you know the pain of a life taken too soon. Possibly even defending our country. So I don't overlook the sacrifice that your loved one and you have made fighting for our freedom. And in many ways, Memorial Day reminds me in a very sober way that tomorrow is not a guarantee. Memorial Day reminds me that I want to live my life on purpose for his purpose. And I think that's probably true for you too. So in closing, I want to ask you a few questions. I want to ask if you've ever considered what would happen in your life if you woke up tomorrow and decided today is the day? Today's the day that I am going to love well the people around me. What would happen in our community if each one of us woke up tomorrow and said, not someday, Lord, but today, I am going to love well the people in my path? What if we strive to fall asleep every single night exhausted because we were so busy loving the people around us? What if we showed up to our work and to our schools and in our neighborhoods as kind, humble, generous, patient people? You know, someday we're all going to get to heaven. I might be 36 or 96. And when I do, I hope that the Lord says to me, well done. But I hope that I can say back to him, I left it all there. I seized the day. I poured out. I prayed up. I sacrificed. And I went all in. God, I gave it everything I have. 
to love well the people around me. Now, I know it's a tall task. It's a tall task for me, too. But I pray that that's the case. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for your great love that comes into us and then overflows to the people around us. Would you encourage us, nudge us, to reach out to the people around us with kindness and courage? God, I pray that we would be more like you just a little bit every day until you return or call us home. It's your name we pray. Amen.